You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. The fastest two-year-old of his crop, not this time. Giants Causeway's most brilliant two-year-old ever and a half-brother to Liam's map, sire of two grade one winners in his first crop. TDN said, too talented a horse with too good a pedigree to pass up. The time is now. Don't let this moment pass you by. Not this time, a tailor-made stallion. Not this time, full of run in the Iroquois. Look for his first two-year-olds this year. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Horse Ownership Experience. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me as always from Parts Unknown is the fabulous, the amazing, the genius, Michelle Yu. Hanson. Michelle Yu Hanson. What do you think about that? Hey. Hey. I like it. How do you feel today? Oh, I feel all right. How do you feel? I'm good. It's kind of an exciting time. Breeders' Cup pre-entries were taken this morning. This podcast will go up tonight, so we can talk a little bit about that. We have a, a great guest that you've set up um, named Rob Masiello. Uh, and tell us, tell our audience a little bit about Rob before we uh, we jump into our chat. Funny, I have only met Rob one time, as far as I know. I was at Belmont, and he was an owner with West Point Thoroughbreds, and he um, and I went out to dinner with some of the West Point people, and that was kind of it. But since then, I've kept in contact with him. And I just really appreciate his ownership philosophy, the things he says on social media, the way he handles himself, how he distributes his horses. So I thought he would be a really great guest today. All right. Well, we're looking forward to talking to Rob uh, in a couple minutes. But let's talk first. The Santa Anita meet ended, uh, Michelle, and no breakdowns, no fatalities. I know we try not to talk about things like that on this show. This is not uh, that kind of show where we're going to get into all the negatives. But this is a big positive. Yeah, uh, anytime you can go an entire race meet without a catastrophic injury, it's obviously great. And it's just showing that all of the uh, protocols that have been put in place are apparently really helping out, you know, both in the afternoons as well as the morning in Southern California. Um, you know, someone's got to lead the way. And as much of a hardship as it's been, I think for a lot of people, just there's a lot of hoops to jump through to run races. Obviously, it's working out in the long run for the perspective of the the viewer. Right. You can't argue with these kind of numbers. Um, I, I can't even remember the last one. I just read about it. I think it was over a year ago, the last time that, uh, unfortunately, something did happen at Santa Anita. And congratulations to them and to all the trainers, owners, exercise riders, everybody at the track um, for doing a great job and jumping on board and really buying in to these protocols that they put in in Southern, put in place in Southern California. Uh, I'm sure the people at PETA uh, are not retweeting those tweets, but maybe they should. Right. You wish. Yeah. You'd hope so. Um, you know, we got Breeders' Cup pre-entries today. Yeah. Was there anything so... that you saw that kind of stood out to you? I mean, I was definitely surprised. And then uh, I go on and I see. So I knew right away that Mo Forza wasn't going to be going, which I thought was devastating, I'm sure. And um, I texted with our good friend Onofrio, his owner, the other day, you know, just making sure he was okay. So he's going to miss. Zulu Alpha is going to miss in the Breeders' Cup turf. And I think he's one of the forerunners, you know, of the American horses. I think he was going to be a legitimate contender in there. And uh, now I see that Bella Fina is going to be retired, so she's not going to run in the Breeders' Cup. It's like, holy cannoli. Yeah. 
A lot of horses missed out, but you know what? It's a an awesome card. Yeah. There are some tremendous races. I, obviously, look, we could start with the classic and the Baffert Trio along with Tis the Law and and By My Standards and Tom's Detente. That's going to be... Oh, my gosh. That race is going to be That race so is going to be The sprint sick. is going to be legit, too. The sprint I mean, is like, going to be legit. We're, and yeah. here's the thing. So what we're going to do... See, we don't have time restrictions on these podcasts anymore. So Michelle and I, and maybe a guest or two, will get. We're going to do this next week after entries come out on Monday. So we'll probably do it. Maybe let's do it on Tuesday or Wednesday, okay. and we're going to really. You and I are going to dive into these races. Okay, Woo. we're going to do it, and we don't have a time restriction. We're going to give these people a great podcast. Hopefully by Tuesday night that they can listen to, get some insight, look at some, you know, get some long shots because Michelle is very good about that. Uh, and and that's what we'll do for next week. Are I think you going? Cool. I am going. Very nice. Yeah, we have Red King in yeah. who won the Breeders' Cup win and you're in uh, Delmar handicap for the turf. The turf, it's interesting, Michelle. You know, I think there's only going to be nine runners in the turf. That's crazy. Yeah, it's going to be uh, Arklo, Channel Maker, Donja, Lord North, Magical, who probably will be the post time favorite. Mogul, Red King, Tanarwa, and United. Those are the nine that go in the Breeders' Cup turf. Interesting, um, from a pace scenario, and it's a mile and a half race, but you have Channelmaker, who loves to be on the lead, and he's razor sharp right now. And then you have um, United, who won wire to wire uh, mm-hmm. in the John Henry. And I think they've learned that he wants to be close up just to get out of trouble and not worry about anything. So you might actually get a, a tad bit of, of pace in this race. Um, Red King has been listed at 30 to 1 on the morning line in a nine-horse field. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> he might be the he might be the best long shot chance of the Breeders' Cup, right? Nine horse field. He already beat United. I mean, why not? United's going to be like uh, five Rispoli or six to one. Him? Yeah, Raspoli's riding. Okay. And uh, it'll be fun going. You know, obviously not a lot of pressure when you're thirty to one, and we're right. just going to go and have a great time. So all you Red King owners out there, uh, we'll we'll have fun, and hopefully we'll get you guys all in. You know, the Breeders' Cup is only allowing, I believe, I think it's thirty five hundred people in, and it's all owners and breeders. So it is restricted. Fans are not allowed due to COVID, which is still uh, wreaking havoc on our society. <laughs> I know, right? It's wreaking havoc on everything. It's right so now. ridiculous. What about the uh, congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers? First time right. since 1988 win the World Series last night. Well, Justin Turner mira- leaves the game in the seventh. No one knows anything what's going on. It turns out he tested positive, and then he goes back out on the field and celebrates. So good for him. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Like, Wait, so he randomly tested positive in the middle of the game? I guess they didn't, I, you know, I didn't read it all, but apparently they didn't get the results back of that day's tests until like the middle of the game and they just pulled them out. Are you kidding me no, right now? No, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. So anyway, congrats to the Dodgers. Congrats to Clayton Kershaw, who absolutely deserved this after all those years of futility. And uh, that's that. Let's do this. Let's take a very, very quick break, and then we're going to call Rob Masiello and and talk to him about ownership. Is that cool? Excellent. All right. We'll we'll be right back. Midnight Storm. Striking sire line. Grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Just like champion freshman sire American Pharaoh. Striking speed. 110 by 133 and 1. Seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf defeated 10 grade one winners, including champion Accelerate. Midnight Storm, a tailor-made stallion. 
Look for his first yearlings this year. And we're back here on the Horse Ownership Experience with our guest, special guest today, I should say, Rob Masiello. Uh, Rob, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, excited to be on. Uh, now, Michelle was very excited to have you on. She said you have a, a, a definitive ownership strategy. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the game, and especially how you got into uh, horse ownership. I don't think I have a definitive ownership Oh, oh we're going to get into that. Don't worry. Yes, I'm she's... interested to hear what Michelle thinks. <laughs> I, anyway, so I actually started um, in 2005 with West Point Thoroughbreds. I bought my first uh, into my first horse in a partnership with them. Um, I've been with them for the last 15 years. I still have a number of horses with them in the last, I would say four to five years. I've started to go out a little bit more on my own. Um, I have a daughter that's about to turn four. So I think one of the things I've started to think about the last couple of years with my ownership stuff is I've really started to like five or 10 years ago, I was kind of doing West Point similar little red feather I would say in the sense that they have kind of horses all over the country um now that I have a daughter it's, I'm not really traveling as much so I kind of decided to to really focus more on horses that were primarily going to race in New York and that stuff I'm kind of doing more just on my own now although I, like I said I'll still partner with West Point from time to time um and so that's kind of that leads us to today how does that work and i know how it works for us sometimes because I, sometimes i have even said that uh, places like little red feather and west point and eclipse and some of these other partnership groups uh, it's almost like the the i don't want to say minor leagues because we're all in the major leagues but it's almost like you kind of get your feet wet you learn and then you go on your own what things have you learned most from the partnership before and taking that into when you run horses by yourself I just think, you know, it's a great question, Billy. I really think that you know, I came to it as a fan. So, like, I think the biggest thing I learned was probably just how much horses aren't ever running and how much, you know, you can buy five horses and in any given snapshot in time, three of them are either laid up on a farm somewhere or just starting to get back, you know. Um, I think when you're just kind of handicapping races or just a fan of the sport and watching the big races, you're not thinking about the horse you bet on six weeks ago that broke his mane impressively, but like hasn't shown up in the entry box. Like as an owner, you think about that all the time, right? But like as a fan, you might have bet on this first time starter, horse wins, and you don't ever think about him again. So that was probably the biggest thing to me. And then just kind of the financial stuff a little bit of like what the actual cost is of, of, you know, not just buying a horse, but, but the upkeep of a horse, the training costs, that kind of stuff. If a horse gets hurt, what the surgeries typically cost, all, all those kind of things. So I would say that that's probably the biggest thing. Did you feel prepared, Rob, to go out on your own? No. But, I mean, <laughs> at a certain point, you just got to do it, right? Like you're never going to be totally prepared for anything in life. So, uh, I mean, I felt, you know, I felt like I had a good understanding of what the business was um but like do i think i'm good at owning horses probably not like i think i'll get better but you know it's a process so it's you know i think you have to approach it that way a little bit well it's also very different because when you're talking about horses with west point 
uh, specifically West Point, they're buying very expensive horses, and you're taking a small percentage. So now that you're taking a larger percentage, I imagine you're not going to the sale and buying million-dollar horses or $380,000 horses. Where are you acquiring your horses from now that you go on your own? Oh, Rob's a sales um, guy. It's a good question. I, you know, I think so. One of the things too, I've kind of been focusing on a little bit more is trying to build a little bit of a broodmare band, potentially really focus more on, on fillies for the time being. So bought a few fillies, um, in, uh, at Keeneland this year, I actually bought the half sister to bells. The one who's, um, obviously going to run in the, um, Philly mare sprint, uh, and this half sister, uh, is by Cairo Prince. Oh, okay. So I'm doing a little bit of that stuff. I'm not I'm not spending the same amount of money um, that West Point is, but you know I, I will. You know I'm not spending no money either, but it's certainly, you know, it's at a lesser expense. But I also think, you know, kind of to your point, Billy, is like I don't want to go spend half a million dollars on a cult, sure, because you know that's probably not going to end well for me. So, um, well, he's probably going to be a gelding know. like he is. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> we all said the same thing. I know how that goes. It'll uh, end well for my daughter at some point, but <laughs> sure. She'll have a nice pony. Um, me right. in the meantime. So anyway, so yeah, that, that's sort of the thing is it's, it's sort of like managing risk a little bit more where I can and, you know, trying to have, you know, a little bit of residual value in there too, I guess. Sure. Rob, you said that you're uh, you're still partnering with West Point. Does that mean that you are partnering like uh, West Point Thoroughbreds and Rob Mizziello, or you are still like a partner of West Point? I'll do both. You know, if it's one of those things where like um, 50-50 with West Point or I take a leg, they'll usually put me in as an owner. That was like a bigger deal for me a few years ago when I was trying to claim a little bit. And it's just like I needed to have my name, you know, listed with them so I could claim. Um I don't really claim that much anymore. And, you know, at this point it's like, I don't, you know, if I'm, if I own 10% of a West Point horse or 20 or whatever, it's, I, it's fine either way, you know? So okay. Rob, you've, you've uh, had some recent success with uh, Faya and what Billy was alluding to what I said about the way that you kind of run your ownership stuff is I've just seen you be really honest on social media. Like, You've been pretty loyal to Tommy Albertrani, who is someone that West Point started off with a long time ago. And the things that you said about, like, it's not Tommy's fault if we don't run well. I'm the one sending him crappy horses. <laughs> and the realistic placement of some of your horses, like Faya going to Maryland Million State instead of Breeders' Cup. That's what I was talking about. Can you just kind of talk about the thought process behind oh, yeah. the decisions that I, look, you've made? I think one of the things is, like, look, and it's just, this is a God's honest truth. It's one of those things um, when fire, so I bought fire um, the Wanamaker's online auction in July. Um, and so it just sort of like everything, you know, sometimes I'm sure Billy, you'd, you'd appreciate it, and Michelle too. Like sometimes horses just get like everything they do puts you into that big race. Fire just felt like everything wasn't setting up for the Breeders' Cup. Like he didn't get the First of all, he, he shipped up a few days late because a hurricane came through the mid Atlantic in late July. So we're always just a little bit delayed. And then he got up there and like, he was just a little bit anxious. The first couple of days he shipped up to, to talk, nothing bad. Everything was fine, but he just took him a couple of days to get used to his settings. Um, then he had like a cough for just a day or two, again, like very minor stuff, but just enough that like, you know, if we were going to make the Breeders' Cup, we were going to have to run like either 
in them, there was a little overnight stake in Saratoga called the Mahoney. Like if we'd made that race, then maybe we go to a race in the first week of October and then we go to the Breeders' Cup. But, um, but you know, it just like, it never really worked out. He also wasn't nominated to the Breeders' Cup. So I was going to have to put up the hundred thousand and like, and honestly, like he wouldn't, I mean, if you look at the, I mean, it's always a race that overfills. I think this year it got eight more um, entries than spots. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think they're going to, yeah, I basically I would have sent the good people at the Breeders Cup a hundred thousand dollars, and they would have said, oh, <laughs> they would have said "Here's your hat." Maybe. Yeah, that's that's almost <laughs> as fun as what we, we that's almost as fun as what we did today, Rob. We got our free entry from the Breeders Cup winning you're I, in, I, and I now know. we're in a so I didn't have to pay anything, but we're in a nine horse field, and we're thirty to one. So that's also fun. You know what though? I I bet that horse in the was it the Del Mar yes. handicap? Yes. Bit, yeah. I remember be beat United, right? Yes. Yeah. Unified. Can you tell yeah. can, can you tell our audience how Red King is thirty to one and United is six to one? It makes no sense to me. I know didn't Raspoli give him like an awesome ride that yes. day? I kind of yeah. I would I, 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 yes. I agree with you. I'll, yeah. I'll have a few bucks on him for sure. All right, that see you're the first so, person you go. believe. Rob <laughs> believes Rob Masiello here on the horse ownership experience. Um, you know, Rob. So moving forward, you start in this broodmare band because that so that's exciting, but that's a whole nother uh, uh, what do we call it? Uh, venture, venture because now you're going to look at stallion fees and breeding. And are you going to are you doing this? Is this an investment or are you breeding to race? It's a good question. I, you know, I kind of just want to see it play out. I think that, you know, I'm interested in kind of seeing what that Avenue looks like of like trying to get a couple of, of nice broodmares that I can own that I can breed and then, you know, supplement that a little bit at the sales versus like just having to go to the sales every year and buy. And then, you know, the type of thing where like, if you get a nice broodmare, maybe you sell some of the Colts and keep some of the Phillies, that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to be kind of flexible with that, with that sort of stuff. Um, You know, and just see kind of where it takes me and, you know, like I said, in five years. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. The one thing I will tell you, and I think that um, people like Stone Street have done a good job of it and others that, they go to. They just basically. I think. I think Wayne Hughes used to do this too. I mean, he probably still does. But they basically sell everything and they buy others because if you start keeping some and selling others, people will say like, "Well, why aren't you selling that one?" Why? But I guess Especially, if you yeah, did if you, Phillies if you versus keep all your good ones, right? And you only sell your crappy ones. Exactly. One. That's just a. So anyway, that's just my one piece of advice. And then I know Michelle has another question. Michelle. Oh well, I want to go back, Rob, just to. Um, kind of as you, if you've branched out on your own, um, I see that you're kind of spreading the love around and, and sharing uh, horses with some other trainers. So can you tell us just a little bit about the relationship you have with Tommy and how you've spread to different trainers and why you've gone in those directions? Yeah. I mean, I, I've known Tommy for a long time. He was, um, one of the, I guess we West Point started sending him horses in 2009, I want to say, or 2010, I think 2009. So I've known him for a long time. You know, I've become really good friends with him. Um, and, you know, I definitely think one of the reasons, I mean, Sia wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a crazy, crazy expensive horse, but he, he was not a cheap horse by any means. Um, and I just, you know, kind of getting back to what we were talking about a, a few minutes ago, like I've sent him a lot of horses for the last five years. I mean, one has been slower than the next. And, <laughs> you know, it's- At least you're honest. You're, no, I mean, look, it's, you know, 
I'm a, I'm a wall street guy. Like I'm a stock trader. I'm not a, I'm not an expert horseman. I mean, I, you know, it's one of those things too, in fairness, a couple of the good horses I tend to have gotten hurt, which tends to happen, right? Like, you know, the, the fast ones tend to get hurt more than the slow ones do. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you don't have a huge stable of horses, I mean, when you just have, you know, maybe I have a half a dozen horses with Tommy at any given time, you know, it's sort of like those things will get magnified and you don't have the kind of the large, large numbers to even things out a little bit. So, um, you know, I look, it's, it's not his fault. I mean, he's trained Bernardini and, you know, gossip girl and, and, uh, you know, a bunch of other grade one winners. Like I've this Fia's Maryland million one was my first stakes win on my own. So like whose fault is it, you know, but, but that's I mean, look, so refreshing of, because a lot of owners like to blame the trainer or the jockey or some, you know, anybody but them. No, I look, I understand that. And it's easier to like, if you're, you know, like if, if I were running a partnership or like, you know, or like I were doing it for like where I had clients, then maybe I would be a little bit less open, but like, I'm just doing it for me and my family. So if I'm not good at it, I'm not good at it. Like, I don't, you know, what are you going to do? But I, you know, I also think that I've improved. And I think that, like I said, I think that, that some of it is just a law of large numbers thing that, or, you know, that there's just not, not law of large numbers. There's not enough of a sample size to, to kind of even out the, the ups and downs. So, um, you know, sure. hopefully there'll be a good run in here somewhere. And, you know, and again, like if a horse like Fia goes and wins five or six races, then I'm going to look like, you know, the greatest owner in the history of, of third red. <laughs> yeah. And you, you named <laughs> so her after I'll the, come uh, back on next year, it'll be a totally different interview. <laughs> you named her after the fire festival. Is that what it was also? No. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I bought him. He's a, a three-year-old Frisian fire, um, Maryland bred gelding. Um, so he was already named. So oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't name him, but I love the name though. I love, and like, if you watch the replays of Dave Rodman, he, he does such a good job of just like laying into that name. That's really a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. He's on fire. Fire. Yeah. Okay, wait, Michelle does a good Trevor <laughs> Denman. Michelle. Oh, she's, uh, and down the stretch they come. It's fire in front and he's scorching down the lane. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Rob, That's I have I, what, a couple more questions. One is, you know, I talk to people all day today because we're in the process of syndicating a new horse. You brought up Wall Street and that you're familiar. Now you're familiar with both with the, kind of the Wall Street methodology and now horses. Compare the two as you're as you're trying to get maybe people to make an investment in Wall Street versus make an investment in the horses. And how, how do you how do you, how would you go about that? Um, you know, so like, as an example for, for FIA, I think one of the things that, especially as I've gotten on my own and I'm starting to like, try to do this the right way. You know, one of the things I liked about FIA was that like, he had all of his conditions. He was, he had, um, all of his open conditions. Cause he'd won, he broke his maiden and then won a, a state bred other than, so he had all his open conditions. He's got Maryland bred conditions. He started, he started his career in a 25 claimer. So he's got starter conditions. Like I'm going to run him next, most likely in the claiming crown down at, at Gulfstream Park because he's eligible for that race. So, you know, I think, and again, like with some of the stuff I'm doing with the Phillies is, is trying to think of it a little bit more in terms of like risk versus reward and sort of what my downside is versus, versus what my upside. I don't need to tell you guys. It's a, it's a tough grind to, 
to, to get into horses and think you're going to make a ton of money is, is, is foolish probably. But I also think there are ways you can do it where you can kind of protect your downside a little bit and, you know, hopefully, you know, be in a position where you have some horses that you can have fun with. And that's really, and I think one of the things too, for me, um, especially is that, you know, I'm in this to have fun. I don't necessarily need to be in the grind of like trying to get a derby horse, which can get really expensive, obviously. Um, you know, I just want to have good runners in my barn that I can have fun with. So, you know, I kind of look at those. I mean, I guess that's the other thing too, is sort of figure out, cause I know from West Point, I'm sure it's the same with little red feather. Like there are a lot of people that want to, that want to be in the Derby. So, you know, I think you sort of have to figure out if that's what you want to do, then like you really should focus probably more obviously on Colts and also Colts with that, that kind of pedigree that might get you there. But that's something you have to figure out for yourself, you know, and that's not true. You know, some people just want to run at Del Mar or Saratoga. Yeah, I just um, want to win. I just want to win turf races. <laughs> Rob, uh, <laughs> it, it seems that you really have like a focus on what you want and your expectations for your stable, which seem to be really manageable. How have you um, like gone into like the sales and everything? Do you use a team to help you? Are you doing this all by yourself? Like, how have you managed all of this change from being just a part of West Point to, you know, being Rob Micello? So, um, you know, I've used some, so like, uh, another one of the trainers I use a lot is, uh, Tom Morley. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's helped with my bloodstock stuff a lot and especially recently. And he's, he's done a very good job. I think, again, it's been kind of the stuff that he's helped me with has been, we've bought some really nice horses that, that got hurt. Um, and then the slow ones, you know, or the slow ones, um, <laughs> I've also used, yeah, um, I've also used, uh, Joe Migliori a lot uh-huh. um you know a who works for west point and he's been really helpful um you know and i think that that relationship will will continue and and it will sort of turn into a thing where i think eventually he'll sort of be doing my bloodstock stuff um so it's good and i think it'll you know i mean he he helped me with with fi a little bit um you know and that's worked out really well so i you know i think i think having joe help me will will certainly kind of keep things hopefully going in the right direction he's a sharp little one that that joe i like that kid yeah i love him he's only like a foot taller you know so i don't know how little he is but. <laughs> no no i meant i meant i meant I, little I just I young go in the Warner, i go in the Warner circle with a couple of, you know i want to race with uh morley and joe and i are in the winter circle and i'm like i'm legitimately like i thought a horse race i'm like five foot nine like I thought a horse racing guy was going to be one of the taller guys. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm like worry, looking up at these two guys. Like you're going to be kidding me. That don't but, matter. That don't matter. Uh, Joe's a good kid, though. He's a great yeah. kid. Hey, hey, Rob. One last question before we let you go. And then, um, advice. Uh, someone's out there listening to the show. They want to get involved in horse racing ownership. They're not 100 percent sure what to do. What's the number one best piece of advice you'd give them? Okay. We didn't talk about this beforehand, so I'm not like honest to God, I would go do a partnership either. You know, I'm a West Point guy, little red feather eclipse. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to be biased to, to one or the other, but I think it's the best way to do it because here's the thing too, is like, if you buy into one horse, I know all, I know your partnership's the same as West Point. Like you buy into one, you root for the whole team. Like you're rooting, sure. you know, how many of your partners that aren't in on Red King are going to be rooting for that horse next Saturday? Oh, I hope all of them. All of them. All of them. Yeah, I'm sure they are. And they've also, 
they've seen the whole story of that horse. You know, I'm sure that they're on your website. I'm sure that they're getting the, the email blast or whatever you guys do, the text blast or whatever. So like, if you get into a partnership and you do it the right way, you can buy a small piece of a couple of horses without having a lot of exposure. And you can, and if you're smart about it, you can see the ebbs and flows of what a big stable looks like and what a big operation looks like. And in a given moment, how many horses are laid up on the farm in a given moment, how many horses are running, who's doing well, who isn't, you know, all the kind of trials and tribulations. And it's like, it's kind of a way to get an advanced, you know, a quick, in six months to a year, you're going to have, if you're smart about it, you'll have seen kind of a lot of different horses, what they, what they typically go through. And I think it will give you a little bit better sense of, of how things, you know, generally operate. So I would, without a doubt, say the number one thing would be to, to do a partnership. Well, Rob, we appreciate that. I appreciate that. As Rob said, we did not, he is not being paid. Uh, we don't have a big budget for the show. So anybody out there listening, no, Rob, seriously, thank you very much. Thanks for the kind words. And we appreciate you coming on and taking the time today. And good luck with fire. Good luck with all your horses. Uh, and hopefully we will run into each other in the not-so-distant future. Sounds good, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Rob. Have a good day. Rob Massiello here on the Horse Ownership Experience. We'll be right back. Midnight Storm. Striking sire line. Grade 1 winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Just like champion freshman sire American Pharaoh. Striking speed. 110 by 133 and 1. Seven time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Defeated 10 grade one winners, including champion Accelerate. Midnight Storm, a tailor made stallion. Look for his first yearlings this year. And we're back one more time here on the Horse Ownership Experience. Rob Messiello has just joined us and he has left the building. Michelle, I thought that was great. Thank you for setting that up. Uh, I think he really shed some interesting uh, aspects of the game. Listen, I preach partnerships all the time. Um, that's what I do for a living. And uh, Rob seemed to agree that it's a great way to get started. I, I feel like you'd say the same thing, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like he said, that it's a great way to diversify and to really experience a lot for not as much money as you would be in if you were out on your own. Yeah, and and you, I, I think that, and I said maybe I shouldn't have said minor leagues earlier. Maybe it's like, um, it's just a learning place. It's it's a place right. where you can ask questions, and you could say, "Why are you doing this?" and "Why are you doing that?" and and ask questions of the managing partner, whichever partnership you ultimately join, um, and just be comfortable with their kind of brand. I think West Point, uh, Eclipse, Little Red Feather. We keep saying those three. There's other big ones out there. Um, but find out what's best for you uh, geographically and, and the personality of the people running it, I think is important too, that we just all have different styles. So, uh, right. just look into that. That would be my advice for the day. That's Billy's soapbox. And, um, <laughs> we're opening up Delmar this weekend, Michelle. Hello. That's crazy. Isn't Are you it? excited? Uh, sure. Oh, God. You don't even like Del Mar. I like Del Mar Fall a lot. It's because great. Because it's not as busy, but, I mean, I can't even go, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> well, you're an That's owner. Like, yeah, but I've got my kids, and no un, un, no unlicensed uh, people can come, so, like, my kids. kids can't come. The, kid, the kids don't have COVID? I know. Tell me about it. I I fought for it. Even last year when we had Weston in the two graded stakes, they wouldn't let me bring my kids to the, like, even to stand on, like, the little balcony. That's crazy. 
We're in a crazy time. Um, but there are, uh, they took entries today. There's some good races over the weekend, Michelle. Did you happen to uh, look to give our audience a little preview? Uh, I did take a look at some of the horses because we have a couple horses entered. So, mm. I mean, a gander. I thought the Catherine Crosby looked really good. I mean, that's a good stake right there. Yeah. And we, you know, it's funny if you talk about horse racing management, um, and it's a good example, and it's a, this is not a humble, bra- humble brag. We have a horse named Z-Drop. <clears throat> I know you like this filly, Michelle. amazing, by the way. Scratch out of one stake to run in the other. And whenever you do that, I mean, hello. Well, you know what's funny is we had a choice of three races. And it was the sprint mm-hmm. stake on, on uh, Friday or Saturday. Then it was the Goldicova, which was grade two on Sunday. And we had Raymundo mm-hmm. Secret in there, who was going to be the favorite. And then we had the Catherine Crosby. And we kind of laid it all out. I got sheets for all the races. We got foreign for all that. And we kind of laid it on and we figured what was our, what was our best chance not necessarily to win, but like because a win in the Catherine Crosby is it's not as good might as a not second even place finish in the grade two in the Goldicova, exactly. And we thought with the speed signed up for the Goldicova and the way we thought the race was going to be run, that Z Drop could get a piece there. And she ended up running an unbelievable second. I'm so happy for all of her partners because she's had a little bit of rough luck this year. And uh, I, I thought it, went, it worked out. Listen, it doesn't always work out. In fact, most of the times it doesn't. This time it did. So um, right. kudos to Phil D'Amato and uh, kudos to uh, Slam Dunk Racing and Maxim Rate uh, and Simon Callahan, who ran a huge race in the Goldicova and will be probably one of the favorites in the Matriarch. Yeah, she was. She looked great there. She, I mean, they, she's always been good, but she's getting a lot more consistent too. Absolutely. I was a little, I felt bad for uh, Mark Glad and our friend Joe Moran uh, with Magic at Midnight the day before in the sprint stake we're referring to, who had a terrible start and then was defeated yep. by uh, Biddy Duke and Doug O'Neill and that crew. So who is talking? Is that Spencer? That's Spencer. He's got, yeah, he likes to make noise. He's got a glass on his face and he's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. Whoa. Well, we'll let go. We're going to go. We'll end the show. Thank you to Rob Masiela. Thank you to uh, our sponsors, uh, Del Mar, Santa Anita. Uh, especially to Taylor Maid, who continues to support this show. We promise next week we are going to do a very long-winded Child Breeders' free. Cup, child-free Breeders' Cup preview. We're going to do it. Let's let's plan right now. We're going to do it on Tuesday. We'll have it up Tuesday night for you. Let's the see. Tuesday night okay, Breeders' Tuesday. Cup Breeder Show. Election Day. Election Day. Who cares? We're we going to be watching the election coverage. <laughs> No, I'm definitely not. No, gonna be we'll have it up. Much. We're gonna go race by race. We're gonna go race by race. We're gonna have all our studying done by Tuesday, and and we'll have it up on Tuesday night so people can listen to it on Wednesday and Thursday and get all all of our picks, all of our insight, and we will do that for you next week. So thanks for listening, Michelle. It's always a treat. Say goodbye to Spencer and Olivia for me, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Daddy Longlegs, Scat Daddy's only proven son at stud in North America. Crowned champion freshman sire in Chile, Daddy Longlegs has already sired three graded stakes winners from his first two crops of runners, including a champion two-year-old colt. A talented runner himself who won multiple graded stakes on multiple surfaces. He's passing that versatility onto his progeny with stakes winners on dirt and turf. Daddy Longlegs, a tailor-made stallion. Call today to book. Daddy Longlegs.